0: This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au It is really good to be uh, back in the room with those of you who can be here today. And uh, and as James has mentioned, we are grieved that there are people who uh, cannot be with us this morning. Uh, We are really looking forward to being able to celebrate together as a whole family come December 5th. Uh, it's going to be a huge Sunday where everyone is welcome back and uh, we're, we're really, really looking forward to that. Um, if you missed last week, uh, Church Online, um, perhaps just fatigued after, you know, 18 weeks of watching church and, and all of a sudden cafes were open. So um, I would, yeah, I mean, look, if I wasn't the pastor, I probably would have been at the cafe myself, to be honest with you. But uh, we made a, a very significant staffing announcement last week, and that is that Brad and Catherine Coneman, very sadly, at the end of this year, will be leaving Anchor Church and moving back to the Blue Mountains. Uh, the full interview is up on our Anchor City um, Facebook page. If you're a, a part of our church family, you can watch um, Brad's a very real and raw personal testimony of his last two years. Um, I would really commend that to you. Uh, but it's really big news for us. Brad and Catherine um, have been here since day one. They've been here since before day one, in fact. And we're really, really sad to farewell those guys. Um, we will be having a farewell service on Sunday, the 12th of December. So we will celebrate on the 5th and then grieve on the 12th together as a church family. But, um, but hey, that, that's what family is like. So um, make sure you don't miss the 12th of December. The other... Staff news this week is that our very own Hope Miles was engaged over the weekend to her fiancé, Tim. Where is Hope? I can't even see her. She's somewhere in the middle. Hope, congratulations to you and Tim. We love you guys both and are really rejoicing with you. Um, Well, this morning we are kicking off a new series. Uh, The series is called Generous and uh, I'm really excited about that. Uh, but maybe as you've, um, you've seen you know, some of the campaign stuff rolling out this week, you've been thinking, oh, generous, great, that's going to make me feel guilty and expect that I'm going to increase my tithe by like two or three percent. <laughs> Let's just get this series done with. Um, and I want to say to you that my hope and vision for this series is far more significant than that. Uh, it does involve money. Um, I'm not going to lie about that. But uh, and our hope and dream about this series has Way more to do with um, your wallet and your giving than than just that. Our vision for this series is that we would have a generous church in every area. That we would be big hearted people because we believe that generosity is one of the basic fruits of being a follower of Jesus. The basic fruits of being a disciple. We want to see a rich community here at Anchor Church. We want to see... Homes that are open and food on tables and people around that table with good wine and food together, laughing and enjoying family. We want to see a place where truly people feel like they belong because that's who we are. We're a family together. We want to see a ministry that is resourced because we are generous with our time. We want to see teams thriving and growing. We want to see needs that are in our church met as we have seen countless times over the last eight years. Uh, And we're going to hear some stories of that in the coming weeks, of people who have been generous by paying for someone's car rego, bringing meals around to the houses of our new mums in our church for weeks after they've given birth. We want to see needs met within our community. We want to see the poor and the needy and the vulnerable cared for in our community as we have been doing. Over the last couple of months, we've been generous towards lovely Scotty and Ruth's partner church, the pastor in the Philippines. We want to see that type of stuff happening. We want to see our city blessed. We want to foster gratitude and thankfulness and contentment. We want to kill greed and deconstruct the consumerism that so drives our daily lives. And we want to see generous sowing into the future generations by church planting. If you realize that church planting is an act of generosity towards those who do not know Jesus. We want to see creation care as an act of generosity for the future generations. We want to see our church living the John 10, 10 life, a life of abundance, a life of overflowing, a life of fullness. This is a much bigger vision than simply what we do with our tithes on a Sunday morning. Now, as a part of this series, what we wanted to do is not just talk about being generous, but actually practice being generous, because um, we want to not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so to that end, we have, um, we're going to launch what we're calling the Generosity Project. And the Generosity Project is this. We know that there are a number of people in our community who are uh, involved in ways that we're just not aware of, doing things in our community that we have no idea to bless and meet needs that are happening across the inner west and across our city. And so what we would like to do is fund that to the tune of $5,000, a gift, a one-off gift of $5,000 for some need in our community. So over the next uh, couple of weeks, we're inviting, the board is inviting um, proposals for how you can meet a need in our community. Now, it may be a need that you see on the way to work. It may be a need that um, that you are a part of a community association that has a particular need because of COVID, it may be something that occurs in your workplace, it may be a need that you see in your neighborhood, your neighbors, whatever it is. We want we want you guys to be creative about whatever need that you see. Submit your proposal to our board and we will um, hopefully have the unenviable opportunity to sift through a whole bunch of needs that are here. And we would like to fund that need to the tune of $5,000 to not just talk about generosity, but to actually be a church of generosity over the next couple of months. So I, I really look forward to seeing the things that you guys come up uh, come up with as we seek to practice generosity as a, as a church. So please send them in. Uh, this week, the details of how you can put your proposal forward will be posted online and you can see all of that. But we really, really look forward to that. Well, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to dive into God's word. So please join me as I pray. Father, we thank you that you are good. And not only good, that you are abundantly generous. And so this morning, as we look at your word, as we are reminded of your character. God, I pray for a bit of a circuit breaker for us. We have spent so long. Our whole worlds have shrunk to within our homes. And this morning, I pray, God, that you would lift our vision and help us see again the bigness of your character, and the abundance of your generosity. And Father, we pray that that would stir us to worship and contentment and generosity ourselves. And I pray this in Jesus' strong name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of uh, getting ready to go out. I know that's not happened. Maybe this morning was the first time that you got out of your active wear and thought about what you had to wear today, right? Up until this point, it's been Ugg boots, track pants, hoodies, and caps on backwards for all the guys who have, you know, wanted to conceal their their bad COVID haircuts. But I don't know if you've ever had the experience of getting ready, and um, you walk into your built-in wardrobe, your walk-in wardrobe, and you look at the 23 pairs of jeans that are there, and the five different shades of denim jackets, and think about the 45 different t-shirts you own, and and you, you stare at all of it and the, the 13 pairs of shoes and you, you say, I've got nothing to wear. <laughs> anyone, anyone ever, did anyone do that this morning? Anyone ready to admit that you did that this morning? You know, we, we have such an abundance of fashion choices for us. And yet we will stare at a full wardrobe with stuff that probably needs to go to Vinnies. But we just cannot let go of that pair of jeans that we bought in two thousand and we say something like, I've got nothing to wear. Just me, I've still got a pair of jeans from maybe not 2000, anyway. I've got nothing to wear. It's a funny thing to say, isn't it? Maybe if uh, we had other company with us, we wouldn't so readily say those words. But it's a statement of lack in the face of abundance. That's what it is. A statement of lack in the face of Incredible abundance, choice that most people in our world today simply do not have, the choice between black jeans, or in fact, not just black jeans, but multiple shades of black jeans and multiple shades of black T-shirts and white and gray. And I mean, who wears colors anymore these days? just black, white, gray, and potentially a little bit of blue if you're adventurous. But we have abundance, and yet there is something in us that says, If only I had that shirt and that pair of jeans and those shoes. If only I had this and that and that. And that is the story of our world. I want to suggest this morning that the story of our world is missing the first chapter. The chapter of a creative God who has made the world rich and abundant and overflowing. You know, the, the posture of our culture is one of lack followed by consumerism. I don't have, and if I get, then I will be happy. Uh, I don't have this, and if I buy this, I will be fulfilled, I'll be more comfortable, my life will be safer and more efficient. It's one of lack followed by consumerism. Despite the fact that we live in what is probably the richest moment in history, like our standard of living has never been higher, in, in Western culture at least. We live in the richest moment, even in the midst of a pandemic. We live in the richest moment in history, and yet we have this pervasive sense of feeling like we need more that will not go away. Brene Brown, the author of um, a number of books, Daring Greatly was the one that I read a few years ago, brilliant book. She calls this the scarcity fallacy, the scarcity fallacy that somehow We believe in this narrative of scarcity that there is not enough, that we live in lack, but it's simply not true. And what I want to suggest this morning is that that belief that is so pervasive in our lives and in our culture is actually a theological problem. It's a a problem with a, a fundamental way of viewing God and the world. It's actually the problem of Eden. It's the problem that has been there since the very beginning. You see, God created a beautiful world. He created a world full of abundance and overflow. He created trees and varieties. And He said to humanity, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth to use. And the only reason I know that uh, that, that line is from a Cypress Hill song. But that's another story. God has created with with variety and rich abundance. And He has said that there is one tree in the middle of the garden that is off limits. One tree. Everything else is yours to use. And what did we choose to do? Instead of focusing on the rich abundance that God has given us in creation, we chose to focus on the one thing that He said no to. This is an Eden problem. This is a problem of humanity from the very beginning because we've believed The lie of the enemy that says God is holding out on you, God is stingy, he cannot be trusted. And the sense of lack that we feel has nothing to do with resources. It actually has to do with a frame of reference. That we are looking at the world, that we are looking at God in a particular way, through a particular lens. And even today, in 2021, we continue to believe the lie that God is Stingy and tight and cheap, and I think we need a recalibration. I think we need a bit of a circuit breaker to help us actually see the world a little bit differently. You know um, last year at the at the end of lockdown, we purchased a new coffee machine, um, and I never really kind of got to use it until lockdown this year, and I kind of got a little bit of obsessive, obsessive about it so. I use a scale to weigh my beans out before I put them in the grinder and then weigh them again when I, before I put them in the portafilter and then I weigh the amount of water that comes out, right? Just to get my 21 grams, 42 grams over 30 seconds exactly right, right? Because good coffee is essential, at least in my books. But, you know, the, the scale is so accurate. Like I can measure 0.1 of a, mi- of a milligram of a coffee bean, right? It's like pinching the grinds out. And I actually do do that occasionally. Um, but, um, but the problem with the scale is if it's off, everything's off, right? If my scale is off, the amount of beans that I put in to my little, you know, my little thing is off. And then when I grind it, it's off. And then my water, and the whole coffee is just not right. So, you know, every now and then the scale needs a recalibration. Right? It just needs to be reset so that it can get everything right again. And, and perhaps that's what we need this morning. We need a recalibration of the way that we are thinking about God and the world that He has created. And so I want to do that this morning. We need to rethink God's generosity towards us in both creation and in His act of salvation. So firstly, we're going to look at creation. Look at this beautiful world that God has created. The Old Testament um, scholar Walter Brueggemann says this. He says, The Bible starts... With a liturgy of abundance. And by that, he means Genesis 1 opens with a poem about how ridiculously abundant and generous God has been. The Bible starts with a liturgy of abundance. Genesis 1, the phrase that keeps getting repeated over and over again is what? It is good for the three people who answered. All the people online were yelling at me just then, and you guys in the room. Um, It is good. 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 It is very good. God delights over his creation. It is good. And God's intent for creation was fruitfulness and abundance and beauty and, dare I say, prosperity. God created a world that was over-the-top good. Now, I, um, I was kind of thinking that James was going to read a Bible verse for us this morning, but he didn't. And I think we did agree on that. But Psalm, uh, if you need to go back and read Psalm 104 this, mo- this morning when you get home from church, because it is another beautiful song about God's rich abundance and generosity. And in Psalm 104, verse 25, it says this. As the psalmist just worships God for his abundance, it says this. There is the sea, vast and spacious, Teeming with creatures beyond number, living things, both large like the whale and small like phytoplankton or some other small little organism that lives in the sea. There are the ships that go to and fro and Leviathan, whatever that is, the sea monsters, which you form to frolic in the ocean. I don't know if you realize this, but there are apparently 230,000 known species in the ocean. 230,000 known species. Uh, that blew my mind. The thing that blew my mind more was that scientists reckon there are more than 2 million unknown species in the ocean. And we've been exploring the ocean for, for years, right? We, I don't even think we've got to the bottom of the ocean at this stage. Two hundred thirty, 250, uh, 2.5 million. I'm great with numbers, aren't I? 2.5 million species just in the ocean, let alone on the land and in the air. Why did God do that? Well, he did it so that scientists could dis- explore and discover and marvel. He-, he did it so that we could watch planet Earth narr- narrated by David Atbra and just go, wow, like we do with our kids. You know, wow, isn't the cheetah so fast? God did that so that we would wow our way into worshipping him, that we would worship him. Just, just think for a second of all of the ridiculous abundance of creation. Think about the flavors of food. I'm sorry if you haven't had breakfast yet this morning. But just, just think about getting that beautiful, like, avo toast down at, down at Roseville and, and, you know, the dukkah that's on it and the little pomegranates and the seeds that they sprinkle on top and the flowers. I'm not sure if the flowers are edible, but I eat them. Uh, just, I mean, all of the beautiful flavors that God has created think for a second about the colours of the flowers i mean every shade that you can imagine god has created it think about the smells the aromas that we get maybe not on friday mornings in the inner west it's been morning in the inner west stinks on a friday morning but any other day right the the, the beautiful smell of freshly cut grass and eucalyptus trees and the sea breeze which we are now able to enjoy again all the textures that exist in our created world just run your fingers across the grass or or feel a fluffy poodle or i don't know whatever your jam is right silk whatever it is just the, the incredible amount of texture that god has created all the different calls of birds that we hear and and the you know, the frogs that croak in the creek and the whole chorus of cicadas that come out during summer in Australia. Like, Why has God created a world with such rich abundance? Because He could have created just one flavor and one sound and one texture and one color, and man, our world would have been gray and boring if He did. But God created a world of over-the-top ridiculous abundance so that we might enjoy it and we might marvel at our Creator and say, look at what He has made. But don't skip over the bit that says, God has done this so that we would enjoy it. That's a really important truth, particularly, I think, for us as Christians. Because we have this funky relationship with joy and enjoyment, right? Something's really nice, like we go out for a really nice meal and we feel guilty about eating it. Poor children in Africa. You know, I feel so guilty about eating my steak right now, and, and we have this weird relationship with joy and enjoyment. But I'm telling you this morning that God has created this world with over-the-top abundance for His glory and our joy to enjoy. Thank you, thank you. God hasn't just created a functional world. Yeah, we have a, a couple of foodies on um, on staff, and um, and every time we want to go out somewhere, there is like weeks of research that goes reading all the reviews on every restaurant. I'm like, as long as it's fuel to get me from A to B, I'm all good. right? I'm so functional when it comes to food. I eat the same oats every single morning because food is functional to a degree. right? Now, don't get me wrong. I still, I still really enjoy good meals. But God hasn't just created a functional world. He's created a world of beauty. This world is beautiful. And God has blessed us materially in this world. The material blessings that God has given us are more than what we need. More than what we deserve, for sure, but more than what we need. And God delights to shower His children with good gifts. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 says this, If you then, Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? I know how to give a good gift to my kids. Of course I know how to do that. And I have a wicked, sinful, broken heart. How much more God does He know how to bless His children with good things? God is a generous Father. James 1, 17 says, every good and Perfect gift. Every, every good, not just some of them, all of them, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. We worship a generous, good, gracious Father who wants to bless us, who wants to give us more than we need, who wants us to enjoy what He has created. You know, um, sometimes when we um, get gifts for the kids, like a Christmas present of a, a BMX or a bike, it takes some time for the thing to be assembled. So I'm often up late on Christmas Eve trying to build a bike or, you know, the, the night before the kid's birthday trying to build a bike. This, this time I just went and got one assembled with child number two in the car and said, hey, here's your present, let's go. But, um, you know, so often what happens is when they first get on the bike, You know, because you kind of buy it with the future in mind. The pedals are a little bit too far to reach and it's uncomfortable. It's not like the old bike. and, And sometimes maybe some grumbling follows, right? And as a parent, you're like, I get it. But, man, I just really wanted you to enjoy this gift that I gave you for your birthday, for Christmas. And so often we can grumble and complain about this beautiful world that God has created us. And it doesn't honor Him. It doesn't honor Him when we cannot enjoy the gifts. That He has given. Well, not only has God been ridiculously generous to us in in the created world, He's also done that when it comes to salvation. In fact, He has been recklessly generous to us in His Son. What's the most famous verse in the Bible? Someone. John 3.16. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He what? He gave. He gave. And what did He give? His one and only Son, that whoever would believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God is a giving God, and He has given us generously. He has given His best. He is not stingy. He has not just loved us a little bit. He has given us everything that He had, His one and only Son, to love us, to lavish His love upon. 1 John 3, verse 1, God has lavished his love on us. Just say that word, lavish, lavish. Say it, it's weird, isn't it, lavish? When you say it too many times, it's like, is that even English? Lavish, lavish, <laughs> lavish. I mean, it just sounds plump and full and good and oozing over the top, lavish. God has lavished his love upon us. It's overflowing. And his love is infinite. His love is infinite, it doesn't run out, it never ends. The source from which it comes is always full and overflowing. God has loved us so much to the extent that He would give His one and only Son to set us free. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9 For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He He became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. There is no one richer than the God of the universe. No one. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is yours and everything in it. There is no one richer than the one who owns the universe, who flung stars into space. God owns this whole thing. And there is no one poorer than a man stripped naked, Hanging on a Roman cross. Jesus did the descent so that we who were poor might be made rich. Not materially rich this time, but spiritually rich. You see, before God intervened in your life with the miracle of new birth, we were spiritually dead, spiritually poor, spiritually broke, unable to help ourselves. God is the one who reached down gave up everything to lift us up and make us spiritually rich. Ephesians 1, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Everyone. He's not withheld his spiritual blessings from us. He's not been tight or stingy. He's given us everything, everything. And God is good. He's taken us from being spiritual paupers, adopted us into his family and made us heirs of the whole thing. And one day we will inherit the earth. So with that in mind, let's just stop for a second this morning and allow those truths to do a bit of recalibration in our thinking and in our mindset. As we consider the generosity of God. And, and maybe, look, maybe this morning the best thing that you need to do this morning is just go for a hike after church or, or go, go to the beach and just lie in the sand and feel the grains of sand and just hug a tree and rub it, feel the texture and smell the, like, you know, like, I mean, everyone's like, wow, that person took lockdown real hard, you know, (laughs) but just maybe that's what you need to do after church today, you know, just pause before you eat lunch and just look at it and smell it and eat it and just let it linger on your taste buds for a bit and you're like, oh man, I cannot wait for a burger after church today, but Let's, let's let the generosity of God just do a bit of recalibration in our hearts and in our minds today. What, what, how do we respond to a God who has been this good to us? Well, a couple of quick ways, which we will continue to highlight in the coming weeks as we roll through this generous series. But the first is gratitude and thankfulness. God is a giving God. By nature, we are often just taking people. But God has given us every good gift. every Everyone, he's given us every good gift. And that includes the stuff that you've worked really hard for and earned by the sweat of your brow. He's given you the intellect that has made you smart. He's given you the talents that make you employable. He's given you the wit and the sharpness to be a great communicator. He's given you the steady hand to be a brilliant artist. He's given you the ability not to confuse numbers like I do, so you can work with spreadsheets. And every talent and ability that you have is a gift from God. Every opportunity that you have had to pursue education in a Western world, in a city like Sydney, is a gift from God. Man, if our world would get it, we would be a people full of contentment And gratitude and thankfulness. We ought to be thankful as I eat my burger. I'm gonna eat this thing to the glory of God and with a happy and glad heart. uh, Gratitude and thankfulness. Secondly, contentment. Contentment because we know that, that God loves to bless us and that what He gives us is for our good. And sometimes He withholds for our good. Viewing God this way ought to foster and nurture contentment. More on that coming. And then thirdly, it means that we can trust His provision. It's hard to trust someone who is tight and stingy. It's hard to to know whether or not um, there's going to be good stuff coming. But when someone is just like ridiculously generous, it's not hard to trust their provision. It's not hard to know that God's going to look after us. We trust. You know the great um, Jonathan Edwards, um, who has kind of been famous for writing about the religious affections and kind of critiquing a culture that says we can't really enjoy. If I feel enjoyment in this, I've spoiled at the moment. He says this: God has given us of His redundant bounty. God has given us of His redundant bounty many things for the delight of our senses, for our pleasure and gratification. And religion is not a thing that makes these things useless to us, nor does it cut us off from the enjoyment of them, oh, that we would just enjoy today what God has done. Both materially and spiritually God has been good. He has blessed us ridiculously. And we want to enjoy it and be thankful and nurture gratitude and contentment and trust in our hearts. So let me pray for us as the band comes up. We transition to a moment of silent worship, at least for you guys, but our band will lead us. So um, let's just pause for a second and, and allow the Spirit to do that recalibration in our hearts and remember what God has done. God, we thank you that you have been over the top in the way that you've created this world with such abundance. So many flavors and colors and aromas and textures and sounds for us to enjoy. But Father, we confess it so often our, our predominant way of viewing the world is through the lens of scarcity and lack. Help us see today. Give us fresh eyes to see what you have done in this world Help us to enjoy it. Help us to enjoy the material abundance. And God, you have been recklessly generous to us in sending your Son. We thank you. We would be nowhere without you. We thank you that you have taken us as spiritual pop, has adopted us into your family, and made us heirs of the universe. We're so quick to forget. So God, lift our eyes this morning. Help us see beyond the last four months that have shrunk our world to the four walls of our homes and apartments. And help us to see again the richness of this world. Even today, as we, some of us at least, can enjoy the richness of community. Father, you have been so, so good. For that we thank you and praise you and worship you. In Jesus' strong name. And all of God's people said, Amen, amen, amen. Bless you, church.